You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwam. We've been talking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is, it's an important topic for the church, and I know for many of you this isn't a new topic. This isn't something that, it's like, wow, I've never heard that message before. But it's important that we not only hear it, but continue to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit every day, every day. And so we have been talking about the empowerments found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but we've been using Romans 8.14 as our basis for this teaching. And Romans 8.14, it says, For as many as are, are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons or the sons and daughters or the children of God. See, we should be led by our Father. You know, when I was a little kid, I... I my father led me places. You know, that's a, fa- that's a father, what father wants to do. He wants to lead you so that you can grow in wisdom. Amen? So that then you can lead your children someday. But spiritually, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit because it is the Spirit of our Heavenly Father. Everything that God knows and wants revealed to us as humans, us as the children of God, will come via the Holy Spirit. He is the revealer. He is an operation and work in the world today. He is, the, the, the neat thing about the Holy Spirit, He is everywhere. He is omnipresent. Wherever you are, He beats you there, right? He was there first. And Jesus said that He would lead us and guide us into all truth. That means the things that we should be doing if we'll take some time and allow Him to empower us and hear the, what the Spirit is saying. Amen? Father, we thank You that You have given to the church Your Spirit and that You have baptized Your church with fire and with power. And Holy Spirit, we thank You that even today, as we open the Word, that You will guide and guard our studies that we may glorify the Lord. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory in advance in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I've been starting out with a question, and I thought I'd like to ask this question uh, today. Did you take time to be sensitive and to listen to God so that He could reveal Himself to you this week? Or were you like the little squirrel on the spinning wheel? Like the little hamster. Anybody ever had one of those little hamsters? They just get on the wheel and go, boogada, 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 boogada. This wheel's just spinning and spinning, but the hamster ain't going nowhere. Your life's like that a lot of times. My life's like that a lot of times. We get so busy with life that we're really going nowhere. We feel busy, but we're going nowhere. But when we take time to fellowship, to listen to our Heavenly Father, He can advance us farther in one minute by His divine touch and inspiration than we can in a year. I mean, there's sometimes when divine inspiration, divine connection, divine opportunity comes, He advances us farther than, than all the work, all the toil, all the, the struggle that we put in in the previous year. So it's important that we be sensitive to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit so He can empower you because He's looking for the opportunity to do so. So we've been studying the empowerments of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians Uh, 12.1, it says, now concerning the spiritual, I want you to be knowledgeable, or I don't want you to be ignorant. 
We need to be knowledgeable about how the kingdom works and the way the Holy Spirit manifests himself so that he can work in your life every day. Not once a decade, not 40 years ago. You know, your testimony shouldn't be, oh yeah, I remember when the Holy Spirit worked through me back in 1967. No, what did he do for you today? What did he do for you yesterday? He's speaking. Are we listening? These empowerments, these activities, these ministries, these gifts of the Spirit are all listed in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. And we'll, we'll read part of that here in a little bit. There are nine varying empowerments divided into three classifications containing three manifestations each. There's three activities, three ministries, and we've covered those. And we're going to start talking about the three gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Our scriptural basis is found in 1 Corinthians 12.10. So let's read 1 Corinthians 12.10. 1 Corinthians 12.10, it says, To another, the work in miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, and to another, different kinds of tongues, or in the original, to another, kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. See, these three here are, what are vocal in nature. So these are three vocal gifts, or also called the gifts of utterance. These are ones that, that speak. The one we're going to talk about today is prophecy. We're going to talk about prophecy, but there's also kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues, and we're going to talk about those too. I would say that, that, that these manifestations, these empowerments, are probably the most active in the modern-day evangelical church, in, 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 the, you know, in the charismatic church. In fact, is that's where we get the word gifts. That's the word uh, it's where we get the word charismatic. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But these are probably the most prevalent. And that's prophecy. And that's a message that is delivered through somebody in a language you can understand. I was going to say in English, but that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be true. It would be in a language that you understand. I mean, prophecy can come in any language. It can come in Hebrew, in Aramaic, in Greek, in, in Navajo. Uh, it can come in Spanish, it can come in, in anything, but the intention of prophecy is it's in a language that you understand. And then there's kinds of tongues. The kinds of tongues are, in the English, differing. It's like what we find in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes and people are endued with power and they begin to speak in tongues that they have, or in languages that they don't even know. Your heavenly language. A language that is given to you by the Holy Spirit or through the Holy Spirit. And so the gift of kinds of tongues would be very shallow for the church if we didn't have the interpretation of tongues. Because I can get up here and I can talk for a, for a half hour in tongues, in my heavenly language. But you'd leave here without edification. You, unless you had the interpretation, you'd be like, okay, well, I, I, I guess that was interesting. Amen? So the gift of different kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues work together for the benefit or the profit of the church. And we'll be talking about that. In Romans 12, 6, as we're going to be talking about prophecy today, in Romans 12, 6, it says that having then gifts differing... See... There are gifts that, are, that, that differ, and somebody may 
God may use more often with bringing forth prophecy. But with somebody else, it may be they come forth with a tongue. And somebody else may work, God may move on them to work with the interpretation of those tongues. So having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, that means it's as the Holy Spirit wills, let us use them. So that's the biggest problem with any of the empowerments of God is we're not using what the Holy Spirit is delivering. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Listen, this isn't America's Got Talent, right? You don't get up here and, you know, you don't get up and, and give a prophecy according to your best effort because you want the church to know how spiritual you are. I guarantee if you do that, they'll know how confused and messed up you are. Amen? Speak what God gives you. Speak what the Holy Spirit gives you when you're, being, when you're bringing a prophetic message forward. I always tell people, people don't need to know why or how or when. They don't need to know that you were riding your bike. They don't know that you just eaten pizza. You know, they'll think it was just indigestion that you got. They deliver, you know what I mean? They don't, they don't need, just come up. I mean, just give what God has given. The background may be important for God speaking to you so that you have a frame and can understand it. But to most people, it, it, it's like, get to the point. I don't, what, I, you know, you, you start to cause confusion. And now the prophetic word comes and, and they're thinking about the story you told. Trying to justify it. You don't have to justify God. He's a pretty good justifier of himself. Just come, deliver the message. Amen? According to your faith. I remember early on, and this would have been back in the 1980s when the Lord started working uh, through me with, with prophecy. Sometimes they were very, very short prophetic messages. I'm not saying that, that's, that God was being short, but my faith was short. Amen? And better to operate within my faith than to get out, like they say, over your skis. It's a bad place to be. One of my best Clint Eastwood lines is, a man's got to know his limitations. You know, and that's the way it is spiritually. We should know our limitations. Don't try to impress people. Because what will happen is you'll get, you'll get offended and hurt because you'll say something stupid. I know, because I have. And somebody will call you on it. And instead of allowing the the offense that you've taken, they didn't do anything offensive. They just were helping to guide you spiritually, maybe helping you to conform to the word, and then you got offended, and then you never, never bring forth a prophetic message again, right? But we have to be open to correction, right? We have to be open to rebuke. We have to take it in light of the message of the gospel, in light of the Bible, you know, and you can't go home and hide under your covers, oh, so-and-so said I did a real bad job. I'll learn from it. Do a better job next time. You know, most people in here, I mean, I'd expect my leadership if they heard something stupid come out of your mouth to say something to you. But they'll try to do it in love. But it's up to you to not get offended. Remember? you got to be like Teflon. Don't let offense stick to you. Because if you don't receive offense, offense will never have a chance to gain root in your life. Amen? And then you can grow. I guarantee you the enemy is looking for ways to offend you so that you'll keep your mouth shut and won't be used the way God 
wants you to be used. I guarantee it. This word, gift, in the Greek is the word charisma, which I just mentioned. It means endowment, gratuity, or gift. So charisma, it means endowment, gratuity, or gift. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute. So this empowerment, a prophecy, is a gift or charisma of the Holy Spirit. And we've heard a lot the word charisma. You know, we think about if somebody is very uh, vocal or very uh, connecting with people, we call them charismatic. They have a gift, charisma. But it literally just means that it is a gift. Sometimes people that we call charismatic, they're just very manipulative. I'm, I'm just telling you like it is, you know. Um, they've learned how to manipulate emotion, but the Holy Spirit gives gifts. It, it, this is also not the office of the prophet or being a prophet. The gift of prophecy is different than the office of a prophet. So what's the difference? I was waiting for you to ask. How about that? You have my PowerPoint yet? Okay, well, we may not use it this morning. Okay, and, and the word here is, is prophetes. It is, it is the office of the prophet. It's where we get the word prophet. It means to, to be a foreteller. We see this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 in the fivefold ministry, the apostle and the prophet. In the Old Testament, the prophet was the foreteller of things to come. It's a compound word. The word pro means forefront or prior. And femi, profemi, femi means to say, speak, or affirm, to show or make known. Therefore, the prophet generally operates in the ministry of revelation. Now, you remember, we just went over the ministry of revelation. So the prophet normally operates... Not in the gift of prophecy, but the prophet normally operates in the revelation gifts. So what are the revelation gifts? The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. That's normally where the holder of the office operates. And that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about the prophet. We're talking about prophecy, New Testament prophecy. Okay, so there are two... Um, there are two words in Greek I got it on here that we want to look at. The first one is the noun, prophetia. It means prophesying or prediction, scriptural or other. We find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans 12, 6, two scriptures we already read this morning. The verb version, prophetio, means prophecy or divine speak under inspiration. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 3. In fact, is let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, 1 and 3 and take a, take a look at it from Scripture. And this is important because a lot of people think they're prophets when God gives them the word of prophecy. I've heard that. Oh, yeah, I'm a prophet because I prophesy a few times on Sunday morning. No, what you are is confused. We need to go back to the word. Pure love or pursue love, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. See, God, God knows the importance of this prophecy because this is Him revealing something prophetic or something future 
and we're going to talk about what New Testament prophecy is. And it's something you can understand. I mean, it's nice when you can understand something. Amen? You know, the first time I was in algebra, I didn't understand a lick of it. You remember those the day? A plus B equals Y minus C. Are you loony? What happened to 1 plus 1 equals 2? You know? It's good when we can understand things. And so prophecy is important. Verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. See, the gift of prophecy, this vocal gift, is made to do three things. Now, it can do all three at once, but it may only do one of the three. But it is to edify, which uh, it's to exhort and to comfort. Now, do you know that the prophecy, just before I explain what those mean, but, just, but prophecy can also be in written form. That is also speech. That is also the, the logos, it's the written word, but the written word generally came from what? The spoken word, right? As men spoke, it was recorded, and it became written prophecy. So prophecy can be written down. But it's intent, prophecy, modern, New Testament prophecy, the prophecy we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is meant to edify, which means improve someone spiritually, morally, or intellectually. To edify, to build you up. To improve someone spiritually, morally, or intellectually. It's for exhortation. To exhort means to strongly encourage or urge. Strongly encourage or urge. Or to comfort, which means... The easing or alleviation of a person's distress, feeling of grief, or to console. It's also to be a sign to the unbeliever. Did you know prophecy was to be a sign to the unbeliever? That's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 24 and 25. Let's go ahead and read that. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. But if all prophesy... And an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. See, this is why prophecy is different than tongues. Right? An unbeliever comes in, everybody in the congregation... Is speaking in tongues. Oh, shambaki imamaka asan. They think, man, these people are loony. I'm out of here, right? But if prophecy comes, a prophetic word comes, it may speak something to them. Because remember, prophecy is never to be used for extortion. Though I've seen it. Prophecy is not intended to control. Though I've seen it. Prosper. Prophecy is never for manipulation, but I've seen it. People prophesy over you because they want to get something from you. They have a motivation to get something from you. And many of these charlatans have been caught prophesying over people to give a certain amount of money, prophesying over somebody to do this thing or do that thing for them, manipulating them. 
prophesying, extort, basically extorting. You know, if you'll do this, then God will do this. You know, if you'll give 5000 into the ministry today, God will save your son. But if you don't give the 5000 God has said. That's extortion. Okay? But that's why it's important to know the word. That's why it's important to understand what, what prophecy is. Keep you from getting messed up. Amen? Keep me from getting messed up. I don't want to be messed up. I don't want to be fouled up. God's word is infallible. Right? When we stick to it, we don't get fouled up. Hallelujah. Prophecy's specific purpose will be a supernatural divine purpose of God. The prophetic is not for my purposes. It's for God's purposes. It's for the benefit and profit of all. That could be for the profit of your profit for me, but not by manipulation. And some people have gotten messed up with that. It's for an individual or it can be for the entire congregation. We don't know why prophecy comes. Sometimes we hear a word here and it may affect two or three people. It may only affect one person. But then it, the prophetic may come and everybody in the congregation may be impacted by it. But again, it's a supernatural divine purpose of God. We are not led by prophecy. What's Romans 8.14 say? Right? It says, those who are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Romans 8.14. And if you are led by the Spirit of God, then you have a right to sonship. And you won't get messed up by prophecy. Because prophecy should always align itself with the Word. Oh, but this is a new thing, Pastor, that God is doing. There is nothing new under the sun. And the reason why denominations and religions get started, whether it's, you know, the Mormons, whether it's the Seventh-day Adventists, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, they all started that very way. Some prophetic message came through somebody that didn't align itself with the Word of God, and voila, we have a new religion. And you can track it back. Both those three I've mentioned to you have started in the last 300 years. Most people don't know that. They just think they've always been around. No. <laughs> and here's the amazing thing. They all started in the United States of America. Yeah, how about that? That's why it's important that we are led by the Spirit of God and not manipulated by prophecy or by visions or by dreams or, or anything else that the Bible has already spoken to us about. Amen? Amen. Prophecy should conform, the prophecy should confirm what the Spirit of God is doing and speaking to you or your church. It should confirm it. It should confirm it. It should let you know that you're on the right track or whether you're not on the right track. You know, it should confirm it. It should give you, be like, whoa, hey, Lord, we need, to, we need to check this out. You know, we're going back to your word. You know, if somebody prophesies to you about going to Australia and the Lord ain't spoke anything to it, just put it on a shelf. Lord may 20, 30 years speak to you about going to Australia, but don't you go to Australia because some, somebody prophesied that that's where God was sending you. Put it on the shelf. Do like Mary did. Remember Mary, the mother of Jesus? She kept all those things in her heart. Remember? The angel came and spoke to her. She just kept all those things in her heart. Every time Jesus did, she just kept those in her heart. She was just remembering. She kept them there. Go with me over to 2 Peter 
chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. It says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. But, no, but holy men of old, can you keep up? 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. See, prophecy doesn't come by the flesh. It's not about what you know. But holy men of old spoke as the Lord moved on them. And you know what makes their, their prophecies significant? They are confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Do you know that if you decided in the Old Testament you wanted to prophesy, you better get it right? Yeah. They had, a, they had this thing called right prophecy and, or dead person. You know, that kind of thing. You better get it right. You better know the Lord speaking to you. So it's important that we understand that, that, that you are a holy person of God. And when God moves on you, you will speak just like the people before you. But, you, but prophecy always con, is confirmed by the word. That's why you're not to be led by prophecy. You're led by the Spirit of God. If God's not speaking to you anything about going to the Congo, somebody says, hey, I just heard the Lord say that you're to go to the Congo. Well, you go find out they've got a ministry in the Congo and they're short on workers. So they're going around prophesying that everybody's supposed to go to the Congo. You know, it's amazing how all of a sudden that's a spiritual word to the, to the person. But it isn't something God spoke to you. Just put it on the shelf. Amen? Hallelujah. Find my, my place. I lost my place. Okay. Both Jesus and John the Baptist are called prophets. Did you know that? Matthew eleven eleven. Here's what Jesus says about John the Baptist. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See, Jesus called him a prophet. A prophet. When they asked about, well, isn't Elijah supposed to come first? What did Jesus say? Elijah did come. You called him John. It was the spirit that was in him. Do you know that even though John the Baptist was called a prophet, there's not one prophecy recorded that he gave? There's not one prophecy recorded that he gave. Right? But his ministry was prophetic. Remember when the Pharisees and Sadducees came to be baptized? What did John say to them? You brood of vipers. Who has told you to flee the wrath to come? You know, that's a pretty prophetic statement. Hey, there's a wrath coming. Who told you to flee it? Go and show deeds worthy of repentance, and then come back and see me. Hallelujah. Now, remember, John the Baptist operated in the office because it was before the new covenant started. Hallelujah. So let's look at some examples of prophecy. We're almost running out of time here. Examples of prophecy. I always think biblical examples help us all. So go, go with me to Acts chapter 11, verses 27 through 29. And in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them, named Agabus, stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. 
Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. Agabus brought this prophetic word, and what did it do? Let the, it let the early church know that they were on track. Remember when Paul had come back, and they said, well, we don't charge you with anything except for, you know, give to the poor. And Paul said, hey, we're already doing that. You know, take care of widows. Hey, we're doing that. And so this confirmed what was going on. But it also encouraged them to keep going and keep doing what they were doing. It also edified. Hey, God's with you. This, it's okay. There's a famine coming, but it's okay. You do what I've called you to do. Go over with me now to Acts 15.32. Acts 15.32. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. See, there was exhortation. They were exhorting them. They were building them up. They weren't trying to control them. Now let's go to Acts 21, verses 10 and 11. Let's look at another prophecy related to Agabus again. And this one, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about this one before. And it says here, And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. You would think, well, why? If, if God gave that kind of prophecy, why didn't Paul say, well, I guess I'm not going to Jerusalem? No, it comforted Paul. He realized that what God had revealed to him, the trial and tribulation that was coming, was from him. That he was on track, that he was doing the right thing. And when this thing happened, not to give up. You know, if God, God shows you that there's going to be some kind of impediment to the thing He's called you to do, and somebody confirms it, it's, it, it's comforting. You, at least you know that you didn't get in this mess by being out of the will of God. Amen? It was edifying to him. It built him up. I mean, it would be a whole lot nicer if Agabus would have come down and said, Paul, you are on the right track. God is going to send you a limo tomorrow. He'll take you right into Jerusalem. You'll be able to go right into the palace, and you're going to have an audience. I mean, that would, have been, that would have been an American prophecy, right? But no, this was comforting to Paul. What God had showed him, it confirmed in his life. In the Old Testament, prophecy came through the prophets, the foretellers. So let's look at a couple of those before I close. Joel 2.28. I'm sure most of you know this one. And it shall come to pass afterwards, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Did that come to pass? Yeah, in the book of Acts, we saw it come to pass. We're living that prophetic foretelling today. And in Micah 5 too. But you, Bethlehem of Euphrates, Though you are little among the thousands of Judea, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth and from of old, from everlasting. That one come true? Yeah, Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. In Micah, it's foretelling of that. And we, we, can, we can go over to Malachi. We can go in a lot of places and we can see the prophetic messages that God brought through the prophet of old. 
foretelling. And then we can look and go, oh yeah, this is a word of knowledge. This is something that is going to happen in the future. Prophecy. It can manifest for any spiritual kingdom reason. But you know what? It only comes through vessels. I've been saved since 1980. And I've yet to see Gabriel show up on any platform and give God's prophetic message. Nope. It's always come from somebody in the congregation. It's always come from somebody in the congregation. Use the me's. That's who God works through. Comes to edify, to improve someone spiritually, morally, intellectually. Comes to exhort, to strengthen, encourage, and urge. And comes to comfort, to ease or alleviate of a person's distress, feeling of grief, or to console. So these empower, this empowerment is important for the church. This empowerment is important for the church. I want to hear what God is saying. I want to hear what God is saying. And it's intended for you and for me to, to better us, to profit us, to, 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 to make us stronger, to make us more effective in our call. Wouldn't it be nice to be more effective at soul winning? Wouldn't it be more effective at, at laying on of hands? Wouldn't, it be more, wouldn't you like to be more effective at reconciling relationships? We need the empowerment of God. We need the Holy Spirit to do what we otherwise could not or would not do. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you speak through the Holy Spirit to each and every one of us. And Father, I pray for a spirit of boldness to be upon this congregation. That they're willing to stand up. They're willing to, to bring forth. They're willing to learn. They're willing to be corrected. They're willing to be taught. That we all are as we are empowered by you to bring forth prophecy. To edify, to exhort, to comfort. And we give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, this you have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.